So hey there, friends. Welcome to this episode of Self-Kind with me, Erica Webb. Today, I want to talk about the difference between proactive and reactive self-care and why we probably need both in our lives to be really in connection with ourselves and the way that we're feeling and kind of like giving out the uh, giving ourselves the things that we actually need. Hi, and welcome to Self-Kind with me, Erica Webb. This is a podcast about what it means to be, live, and move through a lens of self-kindness. We'll look at the ways self-kindness can underpin our practices in movement, mindfulness, and mindset to support us to be and do the things we so desire in the world. I'm thrilled you're here. Let's get into the show. All right. So the difference between proactive and reactive self-care, that's what we're going to talk about today. But before we dive in, I wanted to just say thank you for all the feedback that I got on last week's Thursday episode. It was one of those episodes that uh, just garnered more feedback. And I always really appreciate hearing from you and hearing the ideas that land. I had a few people talk to me about the example that I'd used about the wine refill or, you know, um, the drinks and saying like, that is absolutely something that I do. And I never really thought about it like that. Um, but it seems like that episode landed this idea of saying yes, when we mean no, um, is a big one. And it's interesting after I recorded that episode last week, a few instances came up in my life over the week where I was like, Oh, I think I'm saying yes, when I mean no. And what I want to say as a follow-up to that, is that sometimes we will, right? Sometimes we, and I might've said this last week, but sometimes we will actively say yes when we can hear our body screaming no. Sometimes we simply will not have the resources available to us internally and or externally to be able to say the no that we want to say. And so really understanding that there is a level of practice that goes with this. There's a level of exploration and we really have to meet ourselves with lots of kindness and compassion as we explore it because we will get like more skilled, right? As time goes on, I'm heaps better at doing this than I ever used to be, but it still doesn't mean we're going to do it perfectly. And that is never the goal. If ever you find yourself kind of creeping those goalposts towards perfection in terms of your own ability to be like a human in the world, that should be, and I, I don't like the word should very much, but that should be an opportunity to be like, oh, hang on. Am I setting expectations for myself now that are like really unhelpful to living a full life? Because that desire, that, that push towards perfectionism that really asks us to be robotic like rather than human, um, will derail, will derail us every time because we can't live up to it, right? We can absolutely try our best. We can absolutely have high standards for ourselves. It's not that, but we know that the gap that lives between our high expectations of like, I should be able to be perfect and our inevitable, you know, not being perfect. The gap in between those two things is where shame lives. And so knowing that is so powerful because it means that we don't have to unconsciously continually slip into that space without awareness. Yeah. All right. So on to today's topic, which what was it? Yes. Proactive versus reactive self-care. So this is a really interesting topic, I think, because we need both of these things. We need to be both proactive and reactive in our self-care in order to feel truly nurtured, in order to feel truly connected with what it is that we need. 
if we are only ever proactive in our self-care, then we might miss the signals that say, hey, the massage seemed like a good idea at the time, but now what I really need is blah. Or, you know, I always say that I'll go to the gym or do that walk or do whatever, um, but I also really need this other time just on my own, right? So we miss the opportunity for really getting in touch with how we feel in the moment if we're only ever doing proactive self-care without any space for reactivity. But if we're only reacting, then there's a very good chance that we're going to like let ourselves run to empty before we respond and do something for ourselves, right? So we need to be able to find space for both and how they relate to each other, which can be kind of easy, kind of tricky, depending on the day and the season of life and how we're feeling and all of that. So I want to give you some examples. I'll give you some examples from my own life. I'll give you some examples from, you know, things that I know about um, people that I work with, and hopefully they will help you kind of see. I mean, the difference is, is obvious, but I think sometimes how does it play out in real life can be less obvious, right? So in my own life, one of the proactive things that I do for my self-care is regular morning walks. So I walk with a girlfriend. We've been doing it for a few years now and we're mostly like, we're very consistent. We miss days here and there for sure, depending on the weather um, and life and all of those things. But we get up and we, we go for a walk together quite early in the morning. And that to me is proactive self-care. I know that that walk and the talking and the, you know, companionship is so good for mainly my mental health, to be honest, but absolutely, you know, it's a 45 minute brisk walk. So the cardiovascular activity is great as well. Um, but that is proactive for me because I'm setting it in my calendar kind of regardless, right? There are times where I'll cancel because, you know, I have a late basketball game or I've been up too late to, to kind of get up at that 5:30 mark. And so it's like, no, we need to cancel. And that's reactive, right? To, to the circumstances and the feelings that I'm experiencing, But on the whole, that is a very proactive act to say on weekday mornings, I go for a 45 minute walk at this time for this long, right? That is proactive. Like I said, on those nights where it's like, oh, I'm not going to get into bed until, you know, 11 p.m. and and 11 till 530 is not enough time for me to feel rested, then I will cancel. And that is reactive, right? That is checking in and noticing, hey, the circumstances surrounding this no longer feel nurturing, no longer feel like they meet me where I need to be met. And so I need to change something about it. That is reactive. So that's how those two things can go together. Yes, it is almost always in the dark. Well, it's always in the diary, right? But it's almost always the thing that will happen, but sometimes it isn't. And sometimes it isn't just simply because of, you know, schedules and stuff like that. But sometimes it is because, oh, in order to have my needs met in this other place, sleep, I can't also do this thing, right? And so we only know this though, if we're aware of how we feel and how what we do makes us feel. For the most part, going for that walk will make me feel better regardless of how I feel, even if I've had maybe not enough sleep. But in my overall kind of scheme of living, sleep is is a big priority, particularly because at this stage of my life, I'm having a little bit of trouble sleeping. Um, I'm finding sleep a little hard to come by more than, more than it used to be. And so for me, sleep is kind of more important than that walk. 
if one, if I have to choose, right? But most of the time I don't, most of the time I just go to bed early and it's fine. But that's how those two things can go together. The other proactive one that I see a lot is like knowing that at, you know, for example, people inside my self-kind hub, for those who come to a, to our weekly live stream, they know that 9.30 AM on a Wednesday morning is a weekly live stream class that they have in their diary and they come to. So that's proactive. They know that coming to that class makes them feel better. They know that if they do it, you know, the day is better, the week is better, et cetera. And so they find the, you know, time and space to pop that in their diary. And that is a proactive act. Now they could do that. And then throughout their day, notice, oh, I've been at the computer for like two hours nonstop. And my body is telling me that I need to move. My shoulders are tight. My back is aching. My hips are sore. I'm going to get up and move. That is reactive, right? I'm noticing something in my body. This is what I'm going to do to meet myself where I'm at because I'm noticing my current feelings and kind of like, oh, I have a tool for that, right? And I'm going to go and do that thing. So those two things, again, go together, the proactive and the reactive. We have to have both on some level. And I say have to and don't love the sound of that word coming out of my mouth because when it comes to self-care, I'm a massive believer in coming at self-care from a desire for self-love, for a desire to have a loving, kind, nurturing relationship with yourself. And sometimes we will confuse discipline with self-kindness and sometimes they're the same thing. Sometimes we can be disciplined from a place of love. Sometimes we can be disciplined from a place of kind of like push and punishment. So when I say you have to have this, (laughs) I hesitate a little bit because it's like, you don't have to do anything. You actually don't have to do anything. You get to choose what works for you. But I would invite you to consider how can I build in both proactive and reactive self-care to my day? I actually think that the reactive self-care is like an untapped well of self-kindness, truly. And here's why. Proactive self-care is wonderful. Absolutely. Do not get me wrong. Proactive self-care is fabulous. But it doesn't really invite the moment-by-moment checking in that the reactive self-care kind of demands of us, right? We have to know what's going on in order to respond. And so reactive self-care I love because it changes the relationship that we have with ourselves and our body. It changes the relationship from like the things that I feel in my body are a nuisance and um, inconvenient to the things that I feel in my body are information that I can listen to and use to better care for myself and tend to my needs. Now, there will absolutely be times where we notice how we feel in the moment and we're like, well, what do I do with that now? Because there's literally nothing I can do. I'm stuck at my desk. I'm stuck at work. And what I really want to do is have a, you know, have a nap or what I really want to do is go for a run and like scream into the, into the void, right? There might be things that we notice that we simply can't do. And so the the reactive stuff can feel kind of frustrating sometimes because we're like, I don't know, maybe, right? Like it could be, I don't know how to respond. I don't have enough tools in my tool belt to to know what to do in just like two minutes or feeling like we actually can't do the thing we know we want. And so that can feel frustrating as well. 
So <laughs> I've just gone from saying that it's like an untapped well of self-kindness to like, it can also be frustrating. And both of those things are true, but here's how I want to address the second part. And then we'll come back to the first, the frustration around like, Oh, but I'm so exhausted. All that will help is, is, a, is an app. You're stuck at work. You can't leave. Let's just say that that is hundred percent true, right? You can't leave where you are. You're doing something that means that you can't be absent. How can you acknowledge that right now my body is asking for a nap and that's just not possible right now, but Hey body, I'm listening. I hear you. And I really want to respond with something that is loving and kind. And so I'm going to close my eyes for 10 seconds. I'm going to take five deep breaths and I'm going to like promise that when we have the chance, we're going to go and get that rest right? Or we're going to go and scream into the void or we're going to do whatever it is that I feel like I know I need to do. But just acknowledging it, right? And being like, hey, I hear you. I hear you, body. I see you. I feel you. I sense that. Yep. I'm not ignoring you. I just can't do that right now. Kind of the same way we would to a small kid, right? Like um, <laughs> my kids are still young enough that they do that. Like, mom, 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 mom. Uh, I can't right now, but I've heard you give me five minutes and I will come. Right. So it's kind of like the, this, but with lots of love, right. <laughs> Towards ourselves, lots of love. It's, it's acknowledging that, yeah, like I can hear that. Sometimes I can't always respond, but I do hear it. Um, the first part of that though, right. Like this idea of, of this kind of reactive self-care being like an untapped source of, of self-kindness and love and compassion is for that very reason, right? Because we see ourselves in those moments where we choose to be like curious. We see ourselves in those moments where we choose to respond in a small or a big way to the thing that we most need. I've found that over the last several years, the thing that I most often need is just like my own attention, right? Like my own moment of like, oh, I see you're getting frustrated. You know, like just that acknowledgement or like, Oh, I can sense that I'm really holding a lot of tension in my jaw. I'm going to go and, you know, do some, some breaths and let my jaw go and whatever. It's making the assumption that your body is not giving you inaccurate information. And I think this is a huge thing because I think a lot of the time we're walking around believing that our body isn't giving us accurate information, isn't giving us information that we can do anything with. It's just kind of like being a nuisance, right? Inconvenient. But what if? your body was right. What if your body had something really valuable to say? Would you meet it differently? And I think the answer is yes. And if we have this foundation of desiring a loving relationship with ourselves and our body, then we can get more curious about that information and be like, oh, what is it that I might need? Now we might have a tool that we can use in that moment, right? Movement, breathing, self-compassion, calling a friend, making a cuppa, having a snack, whatever it might be. Or we might be like, I don't know how to respond to this, right? I'm, I'm noticing something. I'm feeling something. I want to respond with love and kindness and compassion, but I actually don't know how. I don't have a tool. And so then we can perhaps go out and find that tool, book in with a professional that can help us with that tool, whether it be, you know, a body worker, um, a counselor, uh, a teacher of some sort. And we can say, Hey, I'm noticing this thing that happens on repeat. And I really want to respond to my body with love, but I don't know how. Right. Um, and this, you know, I think this comes up a lot. And one example that I'll use for this, cause I feel like that's a little bit vague is let's just say like pelvic floor issues, right? You're noticing that you're getting leaking. You're noticing that you have got discomfort there. You're noticing that you are feeling vulnerable in that part of your body. 
And you notice these things, but you're like, I don't know what to do. Like it's been, I've been leaking for years. I've been uncomfortable for years. I haven't got a tool that quickly addresses how that feels. In those sorts of instances, and that, you know, that's one example of of dozens that I could give you, I guess. But in that example, the way that I would approach that and the way that I would encourage others to approach that is to be like, oh, I'm really, you know, kind of need to acknowledge that there is this thing that I don't know how to solve but I don't want to blame my body. I don't want to make an enemy of my body. And so offering myself compassion in this moment and then like figuring out who do I need to connect with? Who do I need to talk to? Knowing that there are people who literally specialize in the very thing that you need support with. And that becomes both proactive and reactive, right? But all of this has as its foundation, this desire to have this loving, kind relationship with yourself and your body, to become your own ally, to be your own friend, to really believe that your body is working for you, not against you. And when we do that, proactive and reactive self-care get easier, right? Because we want to do things proactively to support the people that we love, including ourselves, And when we see somebody that we love, including ourselves, (laughs) in need, we want to help them in that moment, right? Because we can see that in that moment, they need something that we can offer support with. And so sometimes it is helpful to think of yourself as someone outside of yourself, right? Like, what would you do if this was your friend? And it's it's a cliched example of how to meet yourself with more compassion, but it works, right? Would I do this to my friend if they were having this experience? Would I talk to them like this? Would I suggest that they ignored their symptoms? Would I suggest that they just did nothing and persisted on with, you know, um, being productive? Or, you know, would I give them different advice? And what would that advice be? How would I meet them? What qualities would I bring to that conversation? What qualities would I bring to that interaction? How would I want them to perceive, you know, my care? And we can choose to turn that on ourselves. All right. I'm going to leave it there. I would love to hear your thoughts on proactive versus reactive self-care. Give me your examples. I'd love to hear them. On Tuesday's episode, I'm going to try for a few weeks these Tuesday tidbits. So let me know if you like them. Um, But on Tuesday's episode, I did at the end of that episode just ask for if you've got any questions that you'd like me to answer um, or any topics that you would like me to cover to please come and let me know. Um, I always keep a little bit of a list so that I can refer to it. Um, But I would love to know if you've got a particular topic that you would like me to talk about. If you've got someone you would like me to talk to, I do have some guests coming up, but They've been a little less frequent in the last few months. Um, let me know. Come and find me. You'll find me over on Instagram at Erica Webb underscore self kind. If you're watching on YouTube, you can just stick it in the comments um, or you can come and find me over on my website, ericaweb.com.au. Alrighty. Until next week, keep being kind to yourself, friends, and I will see you soon. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Self Kind. If you loved it, why not share it? And while you're there, take the time to subscribe, rate, and review the show. I'd love you to come hang out with me more too. You'll find me over on Instagram at ericaweb underscore selfkind. And you can sign up for my e-newsletter by heading to my website, ericaweb.com.au. While you're there, you can also read up more about the Self Kind Hub and other ways of working with me. Until next time, keep being kind to yourself. Bye.